We've been on this uh, sermon series of the book of James, if it's your first time here. And it's been very interesting because we have been learning a lot of things. And James is, is really uh, challenging our behavior. He's confronting how we are as Christians. And sometimes we don't like to, to hear the things that he's saying. It's hard to hear about, you know, favoritism. We talked about that on, on, on the last time I preached. By the way, how many are, 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 were excited when our pastor preached last week? Amen. Amen. Didn't he do a good job? Now, come on, give, give a big round of applause for our pastor. We know it's not easy. I know, I definitely know it's not easy for him to preach in English, but he did such an awesome job. Amen? Um, but, but the last time I preached, uh, I, I talked about favoritism and how favoritism is not something that, that God wants in our lives, and we shouldn't display favoritism. We shouldn't have favorites. And, and, and James talks about this. And he begins to talk about a lot of the our behaviors, and, and a lot of the things we do as Christians. And he talks a lot about faith, and, you know, I said that we're not, we're not really sure who wrote the book of James, but we're almost positive that it's Jesus' half-brother. And he's writing this letter to Christians who are just going through certain things, and some of them are being persecuted, and they're going through all these things. And, and, and we get to chapter 3, Right? And James talks about another thing that uh, hits home for us, another thing that really makes us want to evaluate ourselves. And, and, and it really just, I don't know, man, it, it confronts us. And sometimes we get mad when we read certain things like this. And I, I want to apologize beforehand if I get you mad or if you're, because it's not me, but it's what the Bible says. And so you may not like what, what we're going to talk about today, but... But these are the things that James talks about because he really cares about his people, and I really care about you. Amen. And so I found this interesting story, uh, and, and it goes like this. It says that Billy and Joe were out in the woods when suddenly Joe grabbed his chest and, and fell to the ground. He didn't seem to, to, to be breathing. His eyes rolled back. His, his tongue was was hanging out. Terrified, Billy grabbed his phone and he called 911. And he was crying and he said, hey, my, my friend is, he's on the floor. I don't know if he's breathing. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know what to do. You Tell me, what, what can I do? And the operator responded and, and, and she said, just, just calm down. Just, just, just breathe, and, 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 and I'm going to help you through this. But we have to do one important thing. First, you need to check, you know, if he's dead. It's extremely important. There was a moment of a silence, and, and then the operator heard a single shot. Billy came back, and he said, okay, now what do I do? You didn't get it, huh? Oh, Billy killed his friend. He wanted to make sure if he was dead. <laughs> At least laugh, fake laugh, so I feel better. 
can't, I can't keep on bringing up these stories if you're going to make me feel like this. But I'm sure the operator wished she had rephrased her, her, her statement. She probably should have never said, first check if he's dead, because it led him to, you know, to, to kill his friend. And, and I, I want to ask this question, how many of us sometimes, you know, our mouths get us in trouble? Have you ever said anything that you immediately regret? I remember one time um, when, when we used to live in New York, before we moved here to Texas, one of the last places we lived in was in a, an apartment building. And my dad was the super, so he would take care of the, the building. He, you know, mop the floors and take out the trash and take care of the tenants if they needed anything. He would take care of all of that stuff, and we would help him. And, and um, I had a friend, my only friend at the building. He was my best friend, Fareed. And we would hang out. We'll do so many things together. You know, sometimes I'll bring up the church. Uh, you know, we'll go and do other things, whatever. But the point is, we love playing basketball. Right? We'd always play basketball. And <laughs> we would play, you know, on the side of the building. There was, you know, to get to the garage area where all the tenants would park. There was this little section, and, you know, there was... There was a sign on, on, on the wall, and, and that would be our basketball goal because we didn't have a basketball rim. And so every time we would throw the, the ball on, on the sign, it was, you know, we made it in. <laughs> and me and Fareed, we, we would do this, and I remember one time we were playing outside, and there was this random kid who was riding his bike, and he got near us, and he was going back and forth, and we were just there throwing the ball at the sign, trying to play basketball. And this random kid is riding his bike, and he starts to make fun of us. And he starts to say all these kind of things, and they're not nice or whatnot. And I told him, well, come and say it to my face. <laughs> Thinking I'm all tough from New York, you know. <laughs> I'm just playing. But I did tell him that. I don't know why. I did tell him that. The kid left. In my head, I'm like, that's what I thought. <laughs> he left. We're, we're still playing basketball. 15, 20 minutes go by, and, and we're still playing basketball. We're free. I kid you not. The kid came back with about 10 friends. Mean for Reed, we ran. <laughs> we ran. I immediately regretted what I said. <laughs> and nobody knows the building better than me and Fareed. We lived there. And so I know the layout. I know all the good hiding places. I know the floor plan. I know the basement. I know every floor. We're hiding and hiding. They, long story short, they don't find us. Right. And... And I, I immediately regretted what, what I had said. I, sh I should have never said that. I'm not that type of person. But, but I immediately regretted. I'm sure you have your own situations and your own, you know, experiences as, as to, you know, you said something and, and you got in trouble for it or you, 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 you want to take it back. And, and James in chapter 3 kind of talks about this. He talks about how powerful 
our tongue can be. He talks about how powerful the words that come out of our mouths, right, they, 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 they can cause damage, right? They can do good or they can do evil. What comes out of your mouth can really affect the person who's next to you, can, can affect the friendships that you have, the relationships that you have. If we're not careful with what we say with our tongue, Right? It can get us in trouble. And, and, and James begins to talk about all these things. He wants us to understand that our words, our tongue, is more important than we think. It plays a role in our lives each and every day. Essentially, your tongue will dictate whether you look more like Jesus or you look more like our culture. You can immediately tell if someone looks more like Jesus by the words that, that come out of their mouths. And so I wanted to talk about that this morning. And I have two points that I want to share with you so that we can understand our tongue just, just a little bit better. And I want to jump, jump into it. The first thing that I see in, in James chapter 3 is that we must understand the power of our tongue. We must understand how powerful our tongue is. Look at James chapter 3, verse, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. James is talking about controlling the horse. He's talking about, you know, this power. In verse 4 he says, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven to driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whatever the pilot wants to, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James talks about the power of our tongue, how powerful. Did you, I mean, did you know that your tongue has power? That what you say can really encourage someone or discourage someone. You can either lift someone up or bring them down. You can either build relationships or destroy them by what the, you know, by, by just a few single words. It only takes a few words for you to cause damage. And James is talking about this. He wants us to understand how powerful our tongue is, and he's not really referring to the tongue that's in our mouth. He's referring to our speech, you can say. He's referring to, to how we speak to others. He's referring to what we say. Because our tongue, right, is powerful. And so he wants us to understand this power, this, this power that we have with our tongues. He wants us to understand, and, and essentially he's saying, hey, you can't just say whatever you want. How many are guilty of that? They don't speak, you know, they don't think before they speak. You're saying, hey, you can't say whatever you want. 
You can't just blurt out everything that comes to your mind. You have to understand that what you say has an effect. It has consequences. It's either you, you're saying something good or you're saying something bad. And so James begins to use these illustrations that we just read in, in chapter 3. He talks about a horse. And he talks about how we ought to put, a, 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 how, how they control a horse, how they make, you know, the horse go left or right. They put a bit in the horse's mouth. Have you ever seen one of those things? I want to show you a picture. If we have the picture of, 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 of the horse. Right, so this is our beautiful horse. And you see that, 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 that uh, round circular thing? Right? That's on the side of the face of the horse, but it's connected to a long piece of, 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 of metal in, inside the mouth of the horse, and the other side has, a, has another round circular. Anyways, that's a bit. Essentially, that's what controls the horse. And the rider is, is, is moving that, and he, he's making the, the, the horse go left, or right, and he's using that to control the horse. And, and sometimes a lot of us need a bit of our own to control a lot of the things that we say. And so he, he uses an example of a horse, but then he goes and, and talks about a ship, and he talks about a boat. And he says the way that a boat is being controlled, right, it's moved by the winds, but eventually, it, it, or, 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 or in reality, it's controlled by what you call a rudder. I want to show you another picture. This is a rudder. You typically find them on, on, on the back of boats, right? It's, 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 a, it's a piece of wood that goes left and right, and the, the, the person who's, who's in the boat would, would control it, right? You, you even see it on big, giant planes. On the back of the plane, that's what makes the plane turn left and right. But essentially, these two things, right, they, they control such a big thing. A, a, a small little bit can control a whole animal. A, a small piece of wood can control even a huge plane. It can control a boat. And this is James's point. He's saying it doesn't matter how small it is. You have to understand how powerful it is. Your tongue, sure, it's small, but it has power. Don't let that fool you. Your tongue is small, but it can really destroy a lot of things. It can cause pain. It can cause hurt. And you have to learn how to control it. I don't know if anybody's understanding what I'm saying. So our tongue has power to cause damage or to bring peace. It has the power to hurt or to motivate. It has the power to build or to destroy. Our, our, our tongue may be small, but it's, it's power. It's big. And then he gives us another illustration in case you didn't really understand the first two. And he says our tongues is like, is like fire. And essentially what James is saying is that the damage that our tongues does is similar to the damage a wildfire does. You ever seen a wildfire? You know how a wildfire starts? Right? It starts small. It starts with just a spark. 
you can get a match and you light a tree up and that tree would burn up and it would burn the next tree and then the following tree and, and, and it will keep on going and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger and it will start to spread more and more and more. And next thing you know, acres upon acres and acres are burned and they're, 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 they're all on fire and all these trees. Are, and it's a wildfire. And James is saying, your tongue can do the exact same thing. And it only starts with a spark. It only starts with a few words. That's why we shouldn't gossip. That's why we shouldn't spread rumors, right? Because it only starts with a few words. You tell one person one thing, that person tells another person, and then that person tells another person, and that person tells another person, and next thing you know, everybody knows. And he's saying it's just like a wildfire. And you're over here talking about somebody's business, and you don't even know that you started a wildfire. You don't even know that you're causing damage, that you're hurting somebody's testimony, that the words that are coming out of your mouth are literally causing damage to someone. And it all just starts with a few words. It only takes a few words for someone to get depressed. It only takes a few words for someone to get discouraged. It only takes a few words to destroy a friendship. It only takes a few words to ruin a testimony. It only takes a few words to hurt a family member. It only takes a few words. Just like a spark, it only takes a spark to start a wildfire. And I wonder how many of us haven't truly understood how powerful our tongue is. I wonder how many of us have been causing pain to others, have been using our tongues to hurt others. I wonder how many of us are currently dealing with this and we lack the understanding, we lack the knowledge of how powerful our tongue truly is. And this is what James wants you to understand. And this is what I'm talking about. He begins to talk about our behavior. And he, he talks about certain things that really make us uncomfortable, things that we don't really want to talk about, things that we currently deal with, things that are so relevant to us. And he's, he's touching on it. And he's saying, this isn't good. You're, as a Christian, this shouldn't be a part of your life. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. I mean, come on, guys. Second thing that I see is that we must understand how contradictory our tongue is. Look at verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. How many have done that before? No one, huh? With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. And then he gives another illustration. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring 
neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is telling the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? Essentially what James is saying is that we're all hypocrites. That we all can be contradictory when it comes to using our tongues. On Sunday, we'll come to church and we'll lift up our hands and we'll worship him and we'll sing, you know, using our tongues to sing our favorite songs and, and, and we'll, we'll use our tongues to encourage others and to motivate others and we'll use it to display love and, and to show grace and we'll use our tongues for all these things. But when Monday comes, comes along, it's a different story. Now we're not so loving now we're not so, so compassionate. Now we, we want to give that person a piece of our mind and, and we want to tell this person off and, and we want to be rude to this person and, and we say whatever we want to say to this person we're, and we're using our tongues to hurt people and, and to discourage people and to insult people. And Jesus is saying, stop being a hypocrite. Don't come to church on Sunday and lift up your hands and, and use the very tongue that God has given you to worship him. And the next week you'll use it to, to, to insult other people. It makes no sense. That's what James is practically saying. You can't use your tongue to praise him, but use your tongue to curse at, at, at other people. And I found this interesting. Look at, look at verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. This is important, and I want you to understand this. James makes it clear that everyone is made in God's likeness. Everyone is created by God. Everyone is, is made in his image, right? Both the believer and, 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 and the unbeliever. And the reason why James is saying this is so that we understand that what we're saying with our tongue, that what's coming out of our mouths, right, not only disrespects people, but it disrespects God. I need you to understand this. Because when you say hurtful things to people, whether they're Christian or not, whether you say mean things to people, whether you're insulting people or, or doing any, any of these other things, whether you're gossiping or spreading rumors, whether you're doing all these other things, not only are you disrespecting the person themselves, but you are essentially disrespecting God. Why? Because God created everyone in his what? In his image, in his likeness, according to his nature. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. So essentially he's saying, not only are you disrespecting people, but you're also disrespecting God. Because God didn't create us to do that, right? He created us in his image, in his likeness, and so he wants us to display love. And he wants us to show kindness, and he wants us to show grace, and he wants us to be compassionate, and he wants us to worship him, right? Because that's who he is, and that's what he does, and he doesn't expect you to do anything else but that. And so God doesn't want you to use your tongue for evil. He wants you to use your tongue to worship him. So many of us have to be careful with what we say, because a lot of us have been disrespecting God without knowing it. And so when we talk about other people, 
essentially we're kind of disrespecting God because God made that person in his image. When we say hurtful things to, to our coworker or to our neighbor, essentially we're disrespecting God because God created that person. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. I hope you understand how important your tongue is. I hope you understand how important the words that are coming out of your mouth. I hope you understand the damage that, 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 that the words you say can do. Look at verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James is giving a command. He's saying, when you praise God and you curse others, this should not be. Another version of the Bible says, this should not go on. You shouldn't do this. That's what James is practically saying. You shouldn't act like this. You shouldn't behave like this. To do both of these things doesn't make sense. They don't go together. You can't praise God one day and curse others another day. Samuel is saying, well, I don't curse. I've never cursed in my life. I'm a Christian. One, we know you're lying. Come on. And two, James is not referring to our profanity. He's not referring to the curse words we say now. He's referring to how they used to curse people back in the day. Back in the day, they would pray so that people would go to hell. You ever prayed that to someone? No. Yeah, because we're all perfect, aren't we? Back in the day, they, they, they would wish evil upon someone else's life. They would condemn somebody. I mean, they weren't saying profanity or the curses that we say. Now, that's not what James is talking about. And so he begins to touch on this subject, and he says, doesn't matter if you're saying profanity. Doesn't matter if you're wishing somebody, you know, went to hell. Doesn't matter if you're wishing that somebody is going through, you know, that they experience evil things in their lives or, or whatnot. At the end of the day, we shouldn't curse. This shouldn't be part of our character. This shouldn't be part of our lives. This shouldn't be part of, a, a part of our behavior. This is what we need to change. This is what we need to fix. Because praising God... And using our tongues to curse at other people, they don't go together. It's like fire and water. Right? You ever brushed your teeth and immediately drank orange juice? It doesn't go together, does it? It doesn't make sense. And this is what James wants us to understand. That in your life, you can't do both of these things. As a Christian, you can't use your tongue to praise God and curse at others. It's either you're using your tongue to worship him or you're using your tongue to curse at others. But it can't be for both. There's no place in your Christian life for it to happen in both. In fact, it goes against your very nature because that's not how God created you. Look at verse, verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Essentially, what James is saying is that 
You will never find salt water and fresh water together. That's not part of nature. That doesn't happen in real life. Right? Salt water comes from the ocean. Fresh water comes from glaciers and lakes and stuff like that. They're never together. They don't go. And if you ever find it together, then that's wrong. It's not a part of God's nature. God didn't create for that to happen. And James' whole point is that you'll... <laughs> James' whole point is that salt water and fresh water come from two different sources. And our praise and our tongues that speak evil and our tongues that speak curse come from two different sources. God created us to show love. He created us to show compassion. He created us to show grace. He created us to show love to others and, and to accept others. That source comes from God. But when we start to curse others, when we start to, to, to display hurt, when we start to insult others, when we start to spread ruins, when we start to do all this stuff that hurt other people, that comes from another source. That doesn't come from God because God didn't create you to do that. That comes from the enemy. God created us to worship him to praise him, to glorify him, to honor him. He didn't create you to insult your neighbor. The enemy tends to use that for his plan and for his purpose. And so that's why he says salt water and fresh water come from two different sources. You'll never find them together. And in your life, both of these things shouldn't be, shouldn't be part of part of your behavior, part of your character. This shouldn't be part of you. Then he gives another illustration. Look at verse 12. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? He's asking a rhetorical question. That's like saying, can an apple tree grow oranges and an orange tree grow apples? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. A fig tree can't grow olives because then it'll be an olive tree. A grapevine can't grow figs because it grows grapes. If they did this, if a grapevine grew figs, if a fig tree produced olives, I want you to understand this. It goes against God's nature. God didn't create that to do that. And this is what James wants us to understand. Right? Because we know that we're all created in God's likeness. We're all created in his image. And we are to display certain characteristics of God. Love, compassion. I already said that a billion times, right? This is the nature that God wants us. This is how he created us. Right? And so James says you can't do both of these things. You can't praise him. And you can't curse others. Because it doesn't make sense. Those two things don't go together. If you're displaying that in your life right now, it's going against the very nature that God created you. God didn't create you to do that stuff. But if you're constantly displaying hurtfulness, if you're constantly negative, if you're constantly saying all these things to people while praising him, then something is wrong. Yeah. 
Just like an apple tree would never grow oranges. If it did, something would be wrong. It wouldn't make any sense. And you really have to evaluate your life. Am I really using my tongue to praise him while at the same time using it to curse others and to do all these things to others? Because if that's the case, then I'm going against how God created me. I'm going against God's very nature. God doesn't want me to do that. He didn't create me to do that. Both of those things shouldn't be a part of our lives. I hope you understand what I'm, what I'm saying. I'll finish with this. Because it's rather interesting how, how James doesn't really give us a clear answer as to how to control our tongues, right? He gives us so many illustrations. He talks about the ship and he talks about the horse, and he talks about the forest fire and how our tongues are like fire and, and how our tongues are small but powerful. He talks about all this stuff. He, he uses, you know, fresh water and salt water. He uses a fig tree and a grapevine to, for us to illustrate and understand. He gives us so many illustrations, but he doesn't give us a key answer. He doesn't say, you know what, I need you to do this because this is exactly how you will control your tongue. This is how you stop, you know, insulting people or cursing people. This is the step that you have to follow to, to tame your tongue and to control it. He doesn't say any of that stuff. And I ask myself, well, well, why? In fact, he says in verse 8, no one can tame the tongue. No one can, can control the tongue. He's saying it's, he's essentially saying it's not that it, it's impossible to control the tongue with your strength, of course. But with the Holy Spirit's help, it'll be easier. And this is what I've noticed is that we can, we can, we can try to discipline our tongue. We can, we can try to be more careful with what we say. We can try to be nicer to people and, and be kinder to people. We can set goals of, of, of making a change in our lives. But that's not the problem. Because if you don't fix the root of the problem, nothing is ever going to change. And so essentially, your tongue is not the problem. Your heart is. And so you can change, you know, you can try to make all these changes to, to change the way that you speak. But if you don't allow God to change your heart, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you, if you don't give him the freedom to change you. Nothing is ever going to change. Nothing is ever going to change. 
It's interesting because our tongue reflects what's in our heart. Look at Matthew 15, 18. But the words you speak come from the heart. It doesn't come from the brain. It doesn't come from anybody else. The words you speak, the very words that come out of your mouth, the tongue that you use, it comes from your heart. And so your tongue reflects on what's already in your heart. The words that are coming out of your mouth have already been sitting in your heart. They've already been residing in your heart. They've they, they already been living in your heart. And so it's not a tongue problem, it's a heart problem. So you have to fix what's in here so that this can be fixed. And you have to allow God to work in you. There's many people who are dealing with this and they'll never change until they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Until the Holy Spirit enters their life, they'll never change. They could try to do all these things, but they'll never truly change until the Holy Spirit comes into their lives, until they accept Jesus. They'll never change. But maybe, maybe some of us need to come before God and, and really repent and ask God for forgiveness. God, I know I haven't been using my tongues or my tongue to the best of my ability. I know I've been a hypocrite. I know I've been contradictory. I know I've been using it to praise you and to curse others. I know I've been doing all this stuff, Lord. I've, I've allowed the enemy to use my tongue for his purpose and for his plan. And Father God, I just want to come to you and ask you for, for forgiveness. A lot of us have to say that prayer. We have to allow God to work in into our lives. I wonder how many of us have been affected by our tongue. How many of us have used our tongues to hurt other people? I wonder how many relationships that you have have been destroyed because of your tongue. Things that your kids have been holding for so many years because of what you've told them years ago. Things that you've told your co-workers that they've been holding in. Things that maybe you've told your parents that they've been holding in for so many years because of what you said. I wonder how many long-lasting friendships have been destroyed simply because of your words. Maybe there's someone you need to go to and apologize to and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry that I said this years ago. I didn't mean to say this. I was immature then, but I'm mature now. I understand now. Please forgive me. I don't know if you're dealing with this. And all I pray is that the Holy, Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. He begins to confront you and begins to challenge you. And maybe this week you have to evaluate your life. How have I been using my tongue? Because God created me so that I can use my tongue to worship him. Have I been using my tongue to worship him? 
Or have I allowed the enemy to use my tongue for other things? How am I using my tongue when, when it comes to me going to work, in, in, in my house, within my family, within my, my, my marriage, with, with, within my friendships? How have I been using my tongue? Have I used it to hurt other people or to encourage other people? Have I used it to discourage people and bring people down? Or have I used it to help them and lift them up, to display love and to display grace and to display compassion? How have I been using my tongue? How have you been using your tongue? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we get up on our feet?